Before she became a major player on the world stage as an anti-nuclear bomb, anti-nuclear waste, anti-war activist, Alice Slater was a mother of two and a housewife, and she had her astrological chart read. I had my horoscope done because my father was a CPA and he wrote the exact minute of my birth on my birth certificate. And when I got to Great Neck with the kids, it was very 70s and everybody was doing new age stuff like Est and the horoscopes. So I give this astrologer who was an English teacher in Great Neck, but she did this as an avocation. My chart, she makes my chart, she says to me. And I mean, I'm like 35 years old, I'm divorced, I got two kids, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, you know. You are so powerful. You are so powerful. You are going to be a world leader, but you will never be acknowledged. How do you feel about that? So I said, well, as long as I know I'm a world leader, I don't have to be acknowledged. And I've had like an incredible, crazy life. It's like I show up at a board with the McNamara. I'm on the board of the Lawyers Alliance. After I go to law school, I see something in a law journal. I go to a lunch and I wind up vice chair of the chapter and I go on the board. I feel like I'm the CIA of the peace movement. Today, we will be acknowledging Alice Slater, who, since the 1970s, has worked to end the threat of nuclear warfare in our world. I am Rebecca McCain with my co-host Alan Winson, and this is Bar Crawl Radio Podcast, usually at a Manhattan neighborhood bar, but today recording at the Upper East Side apartment of Alice Slater who, since 1968, has been an anti-war activist and, since 1987, an anti-nuclear bomb protester. As a young mother, she helped organize Eugene McCarthy's presidential campaign, working to end the war in Vietnam, and then got a law degree. Ms. Slater is the United Nations NGO representative of the Nuclear Age Peace Foundation and is on the board of the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space, the Global Council of Abolition 2000, and the advisory board of Nuclear Band U.S., which supports the mission of the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, or in other words, ICANN, which won the 2017 Nobel Peace Prize for its work in realizing the successful UN negotiations for a treaty for the prohibition of nuclear weapons. Ms. Slater is on the board for World Beyond War, advocating for the end of all war, and she works for 100% green energy by the year 2030 with the People's Climate Committee, New York City. Alice, thank you for inviting Barco Radio to your home to talk to us about your work to end war and nuclear proliferation in our world. So, uh, let's begin. You were a housewife, you have two children, and then while you had the children, you became an activist? Yes, I was living in Massapequa, Long Island. We bought our first house in the suburbs, the American dream. I was watching television one night and I saw, it must have been Edward R. Murrow when they did real news on CBS and they were showing old news film of Ho Chi Minh 
going to Woodrow Wilson in 1919 after World War I, begging us to help them get the French out of Vietnam. And they even said he modeled his constitution on ours. And I'm watching this and we turn him down. The Soviets are more than happy to help. And that's how he became a communist. And I'm watching the news and the same night, the kids at Columbia University were rioting. They were breaking the doors. They were smashing the windows. They did not want to be drafted in Vietnam. And my husband came home that night and I said, what is the matter with these kids? Don't they know this is America? We have a political process. Why are they doing this? I better do something. And the next night I went down, the Democratic Club in Massapequa was having a debate between the Hawks and the Doves and I joined the Doves. And next thing you know, I'm working on Eugene McCarthy's campaign and we're, you know, going door to door and getting delegates to the event and we lose, McCarthy loses. And for the next four years, we took over the Democratic Party. We organized all over the country, went door to door. I moved to Maryland in, two years later in 70, and I kept doing it in Maryland, and we nominated George McGovern to stop the war in Vietnam. It absolutely worked. And the media killed us. The New York Times didn't write one honest word about McGovern. They wrote about his vice president, Thomas Eagleton, who was a senator from Missouri that had had manic depression 20 years earlier. And that was the story, day after day after day. You had to get him off. No discussion of the war, civil rights, black rights, women's rights. That convention in 72 was like the 60s came alive with all those causes. I would think that there were not very many other mothers on your block that were getting involved in politics and... No, I did it on my own, but when I went down to the Massapequa Club, I met Al Manton and Lee Zeldin, and then we went to Al's house, and I became friendly with Gilda. I met all the people in Massapequa that were active. Is this something that you got from your parents that you well, my, pa my parents, my mother was Hadassah president. My father was in B'nai B'rith. I mean, they were active in, in Jewish things, not politics necessarily. I remember my father being so sad that Henry Wallace didn't get the nomination and they put Truman on the ticket. That, FDR had to make a deal with it, but you know, so they were sympathetic. And he couldn't believe that a Jewish judge executed the Rosenbergs. He couldn't believe that. I mean, they, I was terrified of communists in the 50s. So you were of course, it did not take long for Miss Slater to rethink her fears and get involved in peace activities. She spoke of getting powerful people angry with her ban-the-bomb rhetoric and told us about General George Lee Butler, who during the Clinton administration headed up the now-defunct U.S. Strategic Command, which was responsible for land-based nuclear missiles, nuclear bombs, and nuclear submarines. Later in his life, he condemned these military systems and described the scourge of nuclear weapons as being sinister and irreligious and recommended they be dismantled everywhere they existed in the world through international agreements. You know who General Lee Butler was? He came in under Clinton. He grounded all the planes. Our airplanes were flying 24-7 carrying nuclear bombs. We had submarines, missiles, and airplanes always in the air with nuclear bombs as part of our deterrent. We should remember the word deterrent is terror. And he comes in in the 90s 
and grounds the airplanes. He says, this is ridiculous. And the peace movement was acknowledging him. And we had a big conference out in Santa Barbara with the Nuclear Age Peace Foundation. And Jonathan Schell was there, you know. Jonathan Schell, author of The Fate of the Earth on the Consequences of Nuclear War. You know, I was there. I'm always at the meeting. It's weird. And we're, we're brainstorming with Butler. This is the first time he's with the peace movement, you know. What should, how do we get this message out? And we're talking about the message for the elites, and then, they, well, what are we going to tell the gra- grassroots? So I just say, well, we should just say, you know, shut down the weapons labs and let's get rid of the bomb. He turns red in the face. He starts pounding his fists on the table. He's furious. I will not be associated with anybody that wants to shut down the weapon. They just want to control it. There's this whole arms control as soon as we got the treaty that said nuclear weapons are banned, they're prohibited, you can't have them, you can't threaten to use them, you can't use them, this huge campaign came in. It was like they had millions of dollars and all the foundations stepping on our message that it's time to ban the bomb. No, it's time to de-alert them. What is it about the American political system, society, that gets us to making these decisions that you're talking about? Uh, all, all the time, and we've been doing it forever. We're yeah, why corrupt. Are we, why are we so afraid of the Russians? We're corrupt. It's the pay. It's the corporation. Oh, that's too easy. It's corrupt. What does that mean? It means that they bought the government. They bought the media. They bought us. They bought public opinion. They're buying the movies. Who's the they? The corporation, the big pharma, the military, Raytheon, the ones that are making the weapons and making a, the killing on it. They're making a killing on killing, and they're paying for it. They're buying. They're, they're making campaign donations, you know, and they're, bu- and they're ma- buying ads. And they now, I re- I'll send you this article. It was terrific. It blew my mind how they influence all the films we're seeing. Like- Miss Slater here is referring to an article by David Talbot called How Jack Ryan Captured Hollywood, found in the Kennedy Beacon, a website that supports Robert Kennedy Jr.'s presidential campaign. Talbot argues, quote, in recent years, the CIA has annexed Hollywood, the message that daring-do agents must defy democratic laws and norms to combat apocalyptic foes is embedded in countless screen projects, end quote. Ray McGovern is a former CIA agent. He did the briefings for Bush and Clinton every morning. He left the CIA, formed VIPs. Veterans Intelligence Professionals for Sanity. And he says, Alice, it's not the military-industrial complex that Eisenhower warned about. It's the Mickey Mat. I said, Ray, what's the Mickey Mat? The military-industrial congressional intelligence media academic think tank complex. And they're all crafting this message and people. When I saw how the New York Times was reporting on that Ukraine war with Day after day, pictures of blonde-haired, blue-eyed children and their mothers, so many photographs of these poor people. Where were the Iraqi kids? Where were the Yemeni kids? I mean, it was so designed to get people to love Ukraine and feel bad for Ukraine. Well, you mentioned the New York Times as, um, you know, the, the, uh, the paper of record. Um, and I go to the New York Times all the time. Who do you go to? I get the, here it is. Here's I know, my I New see York it right Times. there on the table. My right? father used to bring it home on the subway, marked up in blue pen. You'd mm-hmm. see, he'd read the stories out loud, and you'd see the maps of where the Germans and the Russians during World War II. I mean, but the Times, I, 
the Times is they're bought now. I mean, I saw that for the first time in the uh, Eugene McCarthy campaign because I read the Times all the time. You know, and then I saw it with Bernie and Hillary, and I see how they're reporting the news now. I mean... Who, who do you go to for the news? I'm on websites. You know, I go to uh, The Intercept. That's a bunch of ex-CIA agents like Ray McGovern, you know, that really have intelligence and tell you what's happening. Or, uh, well, I, my favorite group now is World Beyond War. David Swanson is the executive director, and he was Dennis Kucinich's speechwriter. Can you tell us right now... Where you're sitting, where we're sitting in New York City, what kind of danger are we in? Because it doesn't feel like we're under danger of nuclear holocaust. What is your feeling about that? It's terrible. I mean, you know, we've just, we've we've dodged a bullet. We've been lucky because it's not even deliberate. We have, with Russia, each of us has like 1,500 bombs on missiles pointed at each other, ready to go. There could be a computer mistake. There could be... Is Is there a missile aimed at... New York City. Yes, of course. And we aim them at Moscow. They have it at all our major cities, and we have it aimed at all of theirs. I have heard, I've read, that there have been accidents with nuclear bombs, mishandling of nuclear warheads. Should we be concerned uh, about a nuclear accident starting a nuclear war? I don't know if it would start a nuclear war, but even if it didn't, it would still kill a couple of hundred thousand people without a war, you know. If, if somebody thought it was deliberate, then all hell would break. Uh, and, but and, and there have been accidents. I saved a congressional record. There were like 38 airplane crashes carrying nuclear bombs. None of them ever went off. Two of them spewed a little plutonium in Palomares, Spain, and Tula, Greenland, and we cleaned it up. But they never went off, so we were just lucky. Just about five years ago... Uh, There was an Air Force base in Minnesota where we keep the missiles that was missing a plane that wound up in Louisiana that was carrying nuclear bombs. It was missing for 36 hours. They didn't know where it went. It was like a stupid, you know, mishap until they tracked it down and found out where it went. So, and this is not deliberate. This is just people being stupid or, you know, not knowing what they're doing. So, and that happens. And we... We're the bad guys. We put nuclear weapons into NATO countries, Germany, Italy, Turkey, Holland, Belgium. We promised Gorbachev we wouldn't expand NATO to the east. I mean, when I got to Russia, I found out they lost 27 million people to the Nazi onslaught. Whoever gives that number? Whoever knows this? And every guy of over 60 was walking around with the World War II medals on their chest and there's a cemetery in Leningrad with you know 800,000 mass graves and my guide says to us why don't you Americans trust us this is in the 80s and I said why don't we trust you I said what about Hungary what about Czechoslovakia he looks at me with tears in his eyes he says we had to protect our border from Germany and I'm thinking they were giving us such baloney in our country they were never coming after us do you think we're we're moving in the right direction are we eliminating our bombs or are we building more obama budgeted a trillion dollars for the next 20 years for new bombs missiles planes and uh what else missiles planes submarines to to delivery systems that's obama and and trump upped it and I have to say, this 
might sound funny, but even a broken clock is right twice a day. So Trump comes in and he says, I'm going to be a big shot. I'm going to get the Nobel Peace Prize. I'm going to negotiate with North Korea and get them to give up their bomb. And he goes there and he makes friends. So they make a deal. We've had, we've had a truce since 1953. We have 38,000 troops on their border doing war games. And we do sanctions, which everybody says, oh, sanctions. Well, we're denying them medicine and food and, you know, energy equipment. Sanctions are killing people, too. So he makes the deal. He says, okay, well, I'll get the treaty signed, and I'll take 10,000 of our 38,000 troops back if you promise not to enrich the uranium to make a bomb. And they got a deal, and Trump comes back to our Congress, and they won't let him. They won't let him take those. That's Trump, the, the bad mm. guy. Mm. They're all bad guys right now. Hey, I'm over here. I want to call Chairman Kim. And we got to meet, and uh, stepping across that line was a great honor. A lot of progress has been made. A lot of friendships have been made, and this has been, in particular, a great friendship. So I just want to thank you. That was very quick notice, and I want to thank you. <laughs> You're listening to Barcrow Radio Podcast. We are talking with Alice Slater, a leader of World Beyond War, and she is an important voice in the anti-nuclear weapons movement. Talk a bit about the work you've done and are doing right now to solve the nuclear problem to assure that humanity will not end by nuclear holocaust. Can you talk about the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, in other words, the TPNW, built on an earlier attempt at ending proliferation of nuclear weapons, the 1968 Non-Proliferation Treaty. So how would the TPNW work to prevent nuclear war? What is it, and how would it do it? Well, the Non-Proliferation Treaty in 1968 was supposed to expire in 1995, and there were five nuclear weapon states that said they were going to make good faith efforts to eliminate their nuclear arsenals. And all the rest of the world signed on except India, Pakistan, and uh, Israel didn't sign. And they had this bargain that if you sign the treaty, we will give you an inalienable right to peaceful nuclear power. So we're going to hand you the keys to the bomb factory if you promised not to get the bomb. That was how they sweetened the pot. So North Korea... And just to be clear, the keys to the bomb factory is nuclear power. Power, because that's how you make the material for it. It's the hardest thing is to make the material. You have to enrich it, you know. And you do that by creating electricity for cities. Well, when when you're using it in a reactor, if you put it through a few more times, it gets hotter and more enriched and more capable of being a bomb. So... North Korea joined the treaty, got its nuclear power, walked out and started enriching. Iran was doing that. We were afraid they were doing it, but they haven't yet. You know, we we walked out on that deal, too. Trump walked out on Obama's deal with Iran not to enrich. And Biden has not restored it. Biden has a terrible team of hawks and neoliberal warmongers. They're going all over the world starting war right now. I mean... People are so afraid of Trump, they want Biden, Biden, but it's like crazy. We're going to wind up with war anyway, either way. In summary, many countries were not satisfied with the earlier non-proliferation of nuclear weapons treaty, in other words, the NPT. 
and negotiations moved to the United Nations to establish a more comprehensive plan to rid the world of nuclear bombs. Eventually, it was agreed by a majority of countries that the UN would convene a conference to prohibit nuclear weapons, and in 2017, the TPNW was adopted after two rounds of negotiations at the UN General Assembly. Both rounds were boycotted by all countries that possessed nuclear weapons, most NATO countries, and many military allies of nuclear weapons states, that included the United States. Nevertheless, the TPNW came into force in 2020 when the 50th state ratified it, so that nuclear weapons joined the ranks of chemical and biological weapons as weapons of mass destruction prescribed by international law. Opponents of the TPNW have maintained that it is divisive and could undermine the earlier NPT and hinder further progress. Since the TPNW has at least partially gone ahead, have any nuclear bombs, missiles been destroyed? No. Nothing. The nuclear states are not part of this. They're not, yeah. They haven't joined. That's what we have I think to that's do. That's the point I was trying to make. And yeah. they didn't even go to the negotiations. The only uh, nuclear umbrella state that went to the negotiations, and this umbrella is not only NATO, it's Japan, Australia, New Zealand. You know, they're all part of the U.S. nuclear umbrella. That, they, that was our way of saying you don't have to get the bomb, we'll use our bomb on your behalf, you know. So, what is the future of the TPNW? It's out there, and we have to keep working for nuclear disarmament. That'll be the. It's it's um it's a it's a a light. It's a signal for the world. Here's where we're going. They're banned. A lot of countries think they're illegal. I mean, we banned landmines. Yep. The U.S. never signed it, but we don't make them and we don't use them because it's got a taboo. You know, it's going to create a taboo. It's like it's it, no, it's not a right for some countries to use it. Sometimes it's never a right ever. So that's that's what the significance is. Yeah, well, I can I can mention cluster bombs too. Terrible. We never signed that treaty. Yeah, yeah that yeah. we're doing that is unbelievable. That I might vote for Trump. <laughs> How dare we do and the depleted uranium? I I wrote a chapter in a book that Ramsey Clark did. We used that in Iraq. And depleted uranium is very hard. It penetrates tanks. So that's why they were using these bullets. And, of course, we killed a million Iraqis. But the dust infected our guys, and they came home. Not only did they get sick, but they had children born with no fingers and one ear. And there were birth defects. from. The, and we're giving that to Ukraine. This is from your book, Metal Dishonor, right. Depleted Uranium. So they take depleted uranium, just so our That's listeners That's what comes out of the... And they make bullets out of it. Because it's very hard, and it penetrates tanks. It penetrates steel. It's something they discovered. So that after they... they but it still has radiation in it, so it's yeah. still dangerous. Well, when it's not when it's a bullet, but when it shatters, it goes into the air, the dust, and people breathe it, and they die. And just to be clear, deplete, depleted uranium is that product that comes out of, say, um, 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 a nuclear uh, Reactor. reactor. Right, it's part of the way. So that's another issue then, that the, the nuclear arms and energy issue that you write about, uh, a nuclear waste. So it's it's the same. It's the same issue. And how and and what are, what are your suggestions on the well? First solutions? of all, I heard this wonderful woman, uh, Grace Thorpe. She was Jim Thorpe's daughter. You know the Olympic star. Mm-hmm. She came to one of our meetings, 
And she was totally integrated into American society. She was working in an office in San Francisco, and she'd been a whack in the army or something. She went back to her tribe, the Sacken Fox in o Oklahoma, and the chief was making a deal with the nuclear people to get money by taking the waste on the reservation, and she stopped it. And she said, here's the rules, stop making more, keep it where it is, put it in the safest container and watch it, guard it, keep it under guns, gates and guards, and some of it lasts for 100,000 years. But we're, mean, and we're still making it. We're still that's producing right. We it. haven't, and now we've got new small reactors they're trying to sell us. I mean, it's insane when we have the climate to deal with. And we need You've been doing this for so long and, and, and getting some minor results, some minor, but you're still fighting, and the fight doesn't seem to be going in a direction that is good for humanity. Well, you know, we had victories. That's the trouble. You know, like we nominated McGovern. It showed you could win, you know. But then you see there are forces. We got the Comps of Testman Treaty, and then Clinton did this horrible thing with the weapons labs. You know, it's like, you know, the wall came down, and we made this deal with Gorbachev, and then we we're expanding NATO. And But, you know, I mean, there's this military, corporate, money machine that's going to sell weapons and make money and make war no matter what. And I think that the, that the imagination of, a, of regular Americans, it's captured their imagination as well, believing that we need this deterrent, this arsenal of weapons to deter uh, all-out global uh, war. Well, this is the Mickey Mat, the military, industrial, congressional, intel media. Ray says capitalized media because they're in, they're in bed too. Another... Um, dialogue that is going on now with our um, global warming is that, you know, calling um, nuclear power plants clean, you know, a clean energy. Clearly, that's not the case. We have so much evidence. I mean, Amory Lovins has written about it. Uh, uh, Mark uh, Jacobson at Stanford, they've done all these reports about how we're losing money when we put it in nuclear we could build so much more solar and it would be it takes like 30 years for a nuclear plant to get built you know i mean by then we'll be underwater so if you took that money and put it into solar and wind and efficiency and hydro you'd get much more bang for your buck you know you it wouldn't help us at all and then we'd be stuck with the waste again you know so. there is something else out there right now which is a film uh called oppenheimer uh, made by Christopher Nolan. I know you saw it. Uh, you've also written about another film about nuclear, possible nuclear holocaust uh, by Stanley Kubrick. It's a long name, but I'll call it Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Love the Bomb, made in 1964. Um, which do you think is the more realistic version of the situation we're in today? Is that a fair question? I think I think they're both important for people to see. You know, first Kubrick shows how nuts the scientists are, and so does Oppenheimer in a, in a subtle way. You know how they're, uh, you know they're 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 torn. We knew this doctor uh, Joseph Rotblat, who was a Polish Jew physicist that left Poland to work on the bomb in Los in Los Alamos, and by 1944 they knew Germany wasn't getting it. And he said we should quit. You know, he was afraid the Nazis were going to get it ahead of us. 
And he said we should quit, and they said no, and he quit. He got the Nobel Peace Prize. But they they knew, you know, they, I mean, I thought it showed the conflict, and uh, even Teller being, you know, wanting the hydrogen bomb, so at least Oppenheimer didn't want that, you know, and, and how bad Truman was. I mean, it just showed you what we were up against, and it shows you also how scientists can get caught up in doing something, you know, and they thought they were doing good in the beginning, but when they knew they weren't, they couldn't stop, you know? Um, in, in, a, in a few days, we're going to be commemorating, it's August 2nd today, and August 6th and 8th is the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombing 78 years ago. Um, do you feel that the U.S. military action, uh, this is a big question, we just had this debate with our son who was part of the Marines for a while uh, about, you know, the reason why we bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Do you feel that it ended the war? Um, was, was that a reason and did it save American lives? I was at uh, the movies in 1945 with my mother. I was seven years old. The movie told news after the war ended and not where it was raining. We went to the Catskill Mountains. We went to the movies. They showed the bomb. They had a, a picture, I can remember it, of the mushroom cloud on the screen in the movie town news. And I said to my mother, what is that? And she said to me, this is a wonderful new weapon and now all the boys will come home. And that was the story and it was utter bullshit. Japan was ready to surrender. They wanted to keep their emperor, they said. That was why we didn't take it, but eventually we let them surrender and keep their emperor. And it seems that we wanted to show Russia what we could do, that it was always, we have this thing with Russia, we're doing it again. I mean, what we're doing with Russia is insane right now. Ins insane. No, Noam Chomsky said he's, he Googled the word unprovoked. You know how they keep saying Putin's unprovoked attack on Russia? It was like 1,300,000 times. They keep writing about Putin's unprovoked attack. When we expanded NATO, you know, I mean, we, we do war games on their border. We put missiles in Romanian Poland. I mean, we're provoking him all the time, and they never even tell you the truth about it, or even the coup that we helped in in Ukraine. So it's uh, people are not getting the true story. And we know for now there's much documentation about how Japan was ready to go surrender long before. And we certainly didn't have to drop both of them. And some of them were saying we should drop it on an empty, you know, ocean place just to show our power. Uh, you, along with our Catholic worker friend, Kathy Kelly, are on the board of the World Beyond War an organization to create a global movement to abolish the institution of war. That there is no such thing as a good and necessary war. Is that goal possible? Of course. Of course. I mean, I, I joined the Hunger Project before, you know, years in the 70s to, to make the end of hunger on the planet an idea whose time has come. And at that time, everybody said hunger is inevitable. There's too many people. You have too many, you know, population. And we just kept putting out the facts that there is enough food, that its population gets limited when people's babies live. They don't, they use birth control. They don't have 10 children, you know. And we got to the Sustainable Development Goals where they actually put it down as ending hunger on the planet as a goal. And I think it's absolutely possible 
to put out enough facts, which were all beyond war, is to show that there that there's nonviolent. I mean, look at what Gandhi did in India. He got rid of the uh, British Empire without shooting. I mean, and then when they say World War Two was the good war, you know, what was we bombed all those cities? I mean, you know, I mean, I think there's plenty of evidence that. There's nonviolent resistance, peacekeepers, people that are going in and stopping wars. Like, look at uh, what Mandela did with apartheid in uh, in South Africa. It was all peaceful. So there, we're, that's what we're all beyond wars doing. We're giving out examples of where peace is working. Like we stopped a NATO base going to this beautiful park in Yugoslavia, you know, peacefully. People just being peaceful protests and. I think that's the way. You, you can't shoot yourself out of war. You gotta figure out ways to deal with people peacefully. Thank you. Um, we've been talking with Alice Slater, a lifelong peace advocate, uh, and we thank you for taking this time. There's so much more we could say, and you could say about this. Um, so again, thank you again for inviting us into your home. Great. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to close this conversation with a warning by Antonio Guterres, Secretary General of the United Nations, um, a uh, warning that he made at the 10th Review Conference of the Parties to the Treaty on the Nonproliferation of Nuclear Weapons on the eve of the 77th anniversary of the United States nuclear bombing of two Japanese cities. Humanity is in danger of forgetting the lessons forged in the terrifying fires of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Geopolitical tensions are reaching new highs. Competition is trumping cooperation and collaboration. Distrust has replaced dialogue, and disunity has replaced disarmament. States are seeking false security in stockpiling and spending hundreds of billions of dollars on doomsday weapons that have no place on our planet. Almost 13,000 nuclear weapons are now being held in arsenals around the world. All these at a time when the risks of proliferation are growing and guardrails to prevent escalation are weakening. And when crises with nuclear understones are festering. From the Middle East and the Korean Peninsula to the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, and to many other factors around the world. Excellencies, the clouds that parted following the end of the Cold War are gathering once more. We have been extraordinarily lucky so far, but luck is not a strategy, nor is it a shield from geopolitical tensions boiling over into nuclear conflict. Today, humanity is just one misunderstanding, one miscalculation away from nuclear annihilation. And thank you to Lou Tabakin for allowing us to use his composition, Garden at Lifetime, for this Bar Crawl Radio podcast.